all right um good day you're welcome to another episode of the fade campaign and um today we're going to continue from where we stopped the last time and so one of the things that i said in the previous um, episode is the fact that um it takes authority to cast out demons and um for the fact that the bible recalls in mark 16 saying that in my name they shall cast out demons um and that it is part of the signs that will accompany the believers it doesn't mean that authority is not required you see every time that there is a need to cast out demons or to deal with demons authority is the key authority is the requirement you must have authority in fact the demons would question if you've got authority and the authority we're talking about here is not political authority it is not um um authority authority any other authority apart from spiritual authority authority that has got its weight and its um reality in the spirit in the spirit realm because um devils are demons are spirit beings and so if you want to relate with them you have to relate with them in the spiritual they they recognize the spiritual that's their environment that's um you see that's their that's where they dwell that's where they relate so if you want to relate with them you have to relate from that realm and so the question they would have for anyone is do you have authority over us in the spirit realm hallelujah and so this is very important i said also too how that this authority could be delegated authority and it could also be inherent and when I said delegated authority, I talk about authority that is borrowed, sort of. Authority that a, a one that owns an authority gives over to a representative. That is one that is to represent me, for example, now. If I have Mr. A to represent me, the authority that I have, particularly as regards what I want him, Mr. A, to represent me on, the authority that I have in that area, I would give delegate it over to Mr. A so that as Mr. A goes to represent me, the authority that I would um the authority and power that I will I will um uh, that would I would exercise on a normal day, Mr. A would on my behalf exercise that same authority. So that's delegated. So and it's very important to note this difference too between the delegated authority and inherent authority. One of the major differences is the fact that delegated authority is for a short time. I mean, not necessarily for a short time, it could be long, but the point is that it's got a time span. Did you see that? It's got a time span. It can't be forever. You can't exercise that authority forever. It is just for a particular, it is for a time. It's got a timeline to it. It's got a timeline, it's got a time span to it. And when that time is over, the authority is lost. You can't use it again. You can't exercise authority again. Take, for example, one example of a very of a delegated authority is that of the government, the government authority. You see, there is no government that is forever. A government, the, the authority of a government or the rulership of a government is for a particular time, depending on the kind of government that is uh, the kind of governmental system that is operated. So it depends on that. Take for example now in a nation where it's a democratic government, you know, that system that is run, 
in such a place, what you find is that there is a timeline to as to when a political party or yes, um, a government that was um, inaugurated, instituted by a political party, they they've got a time frame to it. Take for example now in my own country, Nigeria, what we have is four years. That's the tenure. That's 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 the term. And so for four years, the the ruling party, you know, um, the the elected president under his ruling party would be the one in government, would be the president, would be the one in government, and um, would do that for four years. So at that level, the president has got authority for four years, authority over this country for four years. That's the meaning. He's got authority for four years. And until re-election, that is, if the president is re-elected after that four years, then he could, that means his authority is extended for another four years. But if the president is not re-elected, it means that after the four years, the president loses that authority that he's got. That's what it means to have a delegated authority. And the same with um, police too. You see, when the police too, is, they've got authority at that time when they are still in the force. At that time when they're still in the force, when a retired policeman, you know, approaches you and then trying to want to exercise authority, <laughs> he won't be able to do that. You see, because he's lost the authority when he resigned or when, he's, um, when he resigned or when um, his um, appointment, you know, is over. Did you see that now? So that's the same way. Delegated authority operates in every, whichever way you want to look at it. And so in casting down demons too, delegated authority is assigned to one and that you use it just for that time span. After that time span and um, after, it has, after the goal or the task for which the authority was assigned or was given to the representative, after the task has been achieved or the goal has been achieved, the representative loses that authority. You see, but that of inerrant authority is owned. What I mean by own is this, it's self-owned. That is, the, the one that has got inerrant authority owns that authority. And you see, and the difference, one major difference between the inerrant authority of power and um, delegated authority is that the inerrant authority is forever. That is, when you have that authority, it is forever. And don't forget one of the things I said to you about the inner authority is that it talks about the authority that is in the nature of a thing. The authority that comes with the nature of a thing. So it means that when you look at the nature of that thing that is inherent in that thing, in the very nature of that particular thing or person, you find there is an authority that comes with it. And that authority is inerrant is inerrant and it's forever you see because we said that that authority is embedded in the nature of that thing it means that so long that thing or person retains that particular nature that authority is retained too did you see that now it means that that authority is also retained glory to god and a very good example of this is that of a parental authority the period of authority, for example, now is something that cannot change. It remains for even when the parents are dead, that is, you know, they are no longer alive, even when they are dead, 
that authority is still there. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. You know why? Because it is inherent. It is in the nature. In the nature of that relationship. That is because they are your parents. They've got that authority. That parental authority is there over you. And it's inherent. It's because they are your parents. It's in the nature of them being parents. Hallelujah. And it cannot change. Praise God. You see, it's not something that will be for a particular time. Or it doesn't have a time span to it. It's forever. It's for a lifetime. Hallelujah. You see that now. So that's the difference between inherent authority. You see, and the, the good thing about um, <laughs> the good thing about inherent authority is that with inherent authority, you see, you are so familiar, you are knowledgeable about the extent of your authority. You know, it's possible for you to it's possible for you to delegate. When it comes about delegated authority, when you delegate authority to a rep and then the representative is not well acquainted to the, the sphere of that authority or to, to the extent to which that authority, the extent of that authority, if that representative is not aware, is not you know, acquainted with the, with the knowledge of that authority, he could, um, the rep could misuse that authority. It could underuse that authority or demand too much of that authority. Did you see that now? Did you get that? You see, but when it's inherent authority, you know. You know what authority that you've got and you know the extent of your authority. So it is you. It is not um, common to find one with inherent authority to misuse that authority. That's what I'm trying to say. You see, but you could find that with one with delegated authority. Because probably the person that delegated authority didn't quite explain the extent of that authority to the representative. You see that now. So what I'm trying to say is that as much as what you need to cast out demon is um, inherent, I mean, is um, authority, it is much more better to have inherent authority than delegated authority. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. Hallelujah. And I told us in the previous episode, I said in this particular episode that we're going to be looking at examples, Bible examples, to see how that um, inherent authority was used and exercised and um, how that delegated authority too was used in the Bible. So um, let's start with that of the delegated authority. Let's open our Bibles quickly to the book of Luke chapter 10. Look at Luke chapter 10. And um, in Luke 10, and also in Luke 9, actually, we will find out that the Lord Jesus sent out people and um, delegated authority to them. He started with the 12 apostles, and then later the disciples, 70 of them, he sent them out in twos. Hallelujah. So let's look at that of Luke 9, quickly. Luke 9, Luke 9 verse 1, look at it. Then he called his twelve disciples, talking about Jesus, yes, together. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Hallelujah. Did you see that? So he gave them power and authority. Um, it's not as if there is a, look at it, it's not as if there is a power that he gave to them and then there is authority on the other way. It's the same thing. It's talking about the same thing. Um, it's like saying, I, I, I had, I had, 
I had um I had beans or I had um I had a good breakfast and a nourishing one. Praise God. Did you see that? I had a good breakfast this morning and a nourishing one. Now it doesn't mean I had breakfast, a good breakfast, and I had another thing that is nourishing. Praise God. I'm talking about the same thing. It's that same breakfast that I had in the morning that is nourishing. That's the same balance of um, communication here. So he says that um, he gave to them, he gave them, he called them together and then gave them power and authority. That is authority over all devils. So he gave them power and authority over all devils. So the question is to find out what kind of authority is this. And like I told us earlier that this talks about the delegated authority hallelujah and if you check the greek word you know for um this particular authority this delegated authority it's exousia in the greek it's exousia and um, that will also help us in differentiating between that delegated authority or power and that of the inherent power because the inherent power the greek word is dunamis hallelujah it's dunamis so yeah he's talking about exousia that is delegated authority so it's authority like i've explained it's power did you see that it's power it's right to do something it is um what else power strength well it's not so much of strength actually it's not so much of strength you see it's not so much of strength it is much of authority is much of right right to do something so it's not so much of strength this is very important and this is also uh thank you lord jesus this is also key in our understanding when it comes to casting out demons we do not need strength to cast out demons yeah you don't need strength to cast out demons that's why i said that authority it is that you need authority is what you need not strength you just say not not strength not not power when it comes to strength not ability like that not is it not ability you know that is resident in in uh, not ability that is resident in you you know in your muscles and all of those stuff no 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 or in your in your mental uh in your in your mind it's not mental strength it's not strength at all it's not strength it's simply authority and you see the way to exercise authority is by speaking mainly that's the primary way to exercise authority is by speaking authority is exercised primarily by speaking words so it has nothing to do with your muscles it has nothing to do with your stature it has nothing to do with um, your look in that sense did you see that it has nothing to do with so much of your look whether you are a tall and lanky person whether you are huge whether you are a giant you know, it's, it has nothing to do with whether you're a dwarf. It has nothing to do with that. It's authority that we're talking about here. And it's exercised primarily by words. Hallelujah. By words. So, we see from this scripture in Luke 9 that Jesus called his 12 disciples and then gave them power that is authority over all the devils and to cure diseases. In fact, if you look at these, well, we will see that. Um, yes, to cast out devils, you know, and to cure all diseases. It looks like um, the power that he gave to them was actually to cast out demons that have, you know, caused diseases in people mainly. Hallelujah. That's what it looked like. Praise God. You see, but um, let us leave that because we will see later. He said, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's verse two. 
So it looked like the power that he gave to them in verse 1 of Luke 9 is actually power, authority over devils and to cure all diseases. That is, they will be able to exercise authority in casting out devils that are responsible for sicknesses in the body of people, in the bodies of the people that they encounter. Hallelujah. Did you see that? So, so basically, that's what it is. And then look, if you jump to verse 6, he said, And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Hallelujah. Did you see that? He said, They went about he said, and healing everywhere. Healing everywhere. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you see that now? In fact, they did so much that the news you know, got to the, the king. The news got to the king. Look at verse 7. He said, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. The impact of the disciples that Jesus sent forth, because they begin to hear many things at different quarters, of the healing testimonies at different quarters. And that impact, the news, you know, the, 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 the news of that impact got to Herod. You know, and Herod was wondering, you know, that who is this? Thought it was um, John the Baptist that he beheaded, that he was John the Baptist that risen from the dead. Hallelujah. All right, now let's go quickly. Let's look at verse, um, let's look at chapter 10 now. That's just the next one. Let's look at chapter 10. We'll see another case there in chapter 10 of Luke. We'll start reading from verse 1 to look at it. After these things, the Lord appointed all that 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where himself he would come. Now, look at it. Very important. He said that he appointed another 70 also. So, if you want to understand what is the also, that is alike in the same manner. So, what manner at first? We, we look at Luke chapter 9. And we saw that in that manner is that the way he, he sent them forth, you know, in Luke 9, was that he sent them forth and gave them power and authority to cast out, you know, devils and to heal diseases. So, if Luke 10 tells us that he appointed 70 also and sent them two by two, it means that he gave these 70 Power that is authority over devils and to cast and to um to heal diseases. Hallelujah! You see, and to heal and to heal diseases. Now let's look at um Luke ten. Let's look at Luke ten. If I look at verse seventeen, verse seventeen says, "And the seventy returned again with joy." That is this. Oh, this is wonderful. The seventy returned again. This 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 statement. That particular word again tells us that it is a repetition of something that has happened earlier. So it means that the 12 that was sent forth in, as accounted in Luke chapter 9 came back too with the same testimony. They returned too with the same testimony that we want to hear from the mouth of the 70. Yeah, look at it in verse 70. He said, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Hallelujah. That's profound. Look, look at what he said. He said, Even the devils were subject to us through thy name. Now, don't forget, in verse 1, <clears throat> we're told that he gave them authority and power. Hallelujah. He gave them authority and power, you see, to cast out devils and then to heal all diseases. So, 
what they were expecting, what they expected probably was just to heal people. Glory to God. That was what they expected. But look at it there. They saw that they were able to cast out demons. That means for them to make this statement, for this statement to come from the 17, saying that the Lord, he said, Lord, even the devils were subject unto us through thy name. What that means is that they probably used that name to cast out demons that has nothing to do with diseases. Glory to God. Did you see that? Yeah. Probably used it to, you know, to cast out demons that has nothing to do with disease. So demons were subject to them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what it would mean. It would also mean that they met people that were diseased or they were sick and that the that demons were responsible for those sickness. They met so much. And that's why they come at that even demons were subject to us in thy name. Glory to God. Now look at this. It said demons were subject to us in thy name. Now look at verse 19 again. Verse 19 again. And then when he said that, and then he said unto them, I behead Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Jesus speaking here in verse 19. He said, Behold, I give unto you power. He said, I give unto you power that is authority to tread on Saban and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, that is all the dunamis, the inherent power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means alter you. He now says, Notwithstanding in these rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, that is the demons, the devils are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Glory to God. Did you see that now? Hallelujah. So, we saw from that verse 19 again, that indeed he gave them power. Hallelujah. Power over all... The, the um, over authority, I mean to say, authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. He said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Glory to God. So he gave them authority, and verse seventeen gave us an an insight as to um, where that authority is um, resident. That authority is resident in His name. In the name of Jesus. That authority is resting in the name of Jesus. And now I'm, I'm just going to talk about that. And what that in his name means. Because I did a little. I did talk about it in the previous episode. So I'm just going to do a little bit of recap. As to that. So from Luke 10. Luke 9 also. We have seen what it means to have delegated authority. We have seen what it means to have delegated authority. That's an example of delegated authority. Now let's look at inherent authority quickly. We are going to start from the Lord Jesus himself. In the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that popular account by um, Peter. By Peter. Hallelujah. You know, Peter speaking there, he said, Our God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and eating all the well praised of the devil, for God was with him. Hallelujah. So it looked like the power too that the Lord Jesus had here was the power to heal people that were oppressed of the devil. Even if we say that it's not the power to heal people that were oppressed of the devil, but we saw that that power was used to heal people that were oppressed of the devil. And don't forget one thing I explained earlier. I said um, that the word and there does not connote, does not all the time means an addition. Rather, it is for emphasis. And look at it here. So he said, our God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. It doesn't mean that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and then he was now anointed with power. Secondly, no. 
He was anointed with the Holy Ghost, that is, with power. So, what they're saying is that he was anointed with, with power by the Holy Ghost. To be anointed with the Holy Ghost is to be anointed with power. To be anointed with power is to be anointed with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the custodian of power. And that's why the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which we are still going to look at, is that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You see that now. So it is by the Holy Ghost that one receives power. So our God anointed there means to appoint for a particular task. That's what it means. It is an appointment. It's appointment to a particular task. That's what it means to be anointed, actually. Glory to God. That's what it means to anoint. So it says that our God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. That is, and by the Holy Ghost, he's got power. And with that power that is God, he went about doing good and healing all the work. First of the devil, for God was with him. So we saw that the power here too. In the checking in the Greek, it's the same power that we're talking about. That power is is dunamis. Hallelujah! Is dunamis? Is inherent power? So it's different from delegated authority. Rather, it is what inherent. So it means that this power. Oh, thank the Lord Jesus! It means that the um, the the power that the Lord Jesus had here, the Lord Jesus had it forever. And that is why the Lord Jesus could use that power, could deal with demons any time, any day. There was no time that they brought a demon-possessed person to the Lord Jesus and he couldn't, you know, cast out that demon. You know why? Because he's got power. That power is his own. Hallelujah. That authority is inherent. It is his own and is there forever because he's inherent authority. You see, unlike the disciples, that theirs was delegated authority. So it got to a stage at a particular time in their life that they brought a demon-possessed person, you know, to the, to the disciples and they couldn't do anything about it. You know why? <clears throat> because the time span for the authority that they had, the delegated authority, which got the time span, that timeline has expired. That was the reason. They just used it. It was more like a borrowed authority that is used for a particular time. And when that time, you know, was over, they couldn't do anything. They lost the authority. They couldn't do anything with it. Did you see that now? And that was why when they brought that um, woman, you know, brought the child, brought a child, you know, to, to them, and they couldn't do anything. He said, but brought it to Jesus and then made that same complaint to Jesus. That, see, I brought them to your disciples, but they couldn't. I brought her to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And then Jesus responded, you know, that was when Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. And then he said, they should bring the child, and when they did bring the child to, to him, with one word, hallelujah, with one word, he casted out the demon, and then the child was free for, from devils, was free of devils, hallelujah. You do see that. And then they came to Jesus, the disciples came to Jesus, asking, he said, Master, why couldn't we cast out these demons? Why? Why? Why couldn't? <laughs> and then the Lord Jesus said to them, he said, it's because of your own belief. Glory to God. Um, you see, that unbelief there is not talking about um, the fact that they didn't believe that they have power or they didn't believe that they could do it. That's not what he's talking about. That unbelief is talking about that fundamental faith. 
fundamental faith here is talking about the faith in the resurrection, the faith in the gospel. That's what he was talking about. The faith in the gospel. Even though the gospel, the, the, the reality of the gospel has not been played out. I'm talking about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. had not happened at that time. You see, but it was faith in the gospel that Jesus was talking about. So when he said that because of their own belief, he was saying that because they don't have the faith of God yet. That's what he was talking about because that particular account, there is another account in Mark that relates with this same thing. And this particular account in Mark that relates with this same thing, you see, you see where, where, where he talked about how that they, they, um, they said that um, um, the fig tree that he caused, you know, had dried up. And then they were wondering how that the fig tree that he caused had dried up. And then he said that they should have faith, the faith of God. He said if they have the faith of God, and of course, having the faith of God there is not talking about um, having faith to do things. He was talking about that fundamental, that is, believing in the resurrection. That's what he was talking about. That is, if you believe the gospel, you will, believing the gospel will give you that authority will give you that right to be able to say to this mountain be that removed and be that cast into the sea and if you do not doubt you will have what you say hallelujah that's what he was talking about praise god you just see that now so the reason why jesus um um mentioned this particular point as to why they couldn't cast out demons and saying that it was because of their unbelief you know he's saying that invariably he's saying that you don't have inherent authority yet. Hallelujah. You don't have dunamis yet. That's what he's saying invariably. That you don't have dunamis yet. Because later on, when dunamis was to had, had, um, had been delivered to them, even the Lord Jesus himself said how that they will do things by that dunamis. Glory to God. The Lord Jesus said it. And that's the scripture I read earlier. I quoted earlier, Acts 1, verse 8. He said, I, I said that, um, um, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. He said, and you shall have witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. And don't forget, we said that these signs, are the operational function of these signs are primarily as witnesses to the gospel of Christ. So when Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, that they shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon them and they shall be witnesses, he was talking about that same witness to the gospel. Being witness to the gospel of Christ. That's what he's talking about. And how will they witness to the gospel of Christ? By these signs. By these signs. Glory to God. By these signs. By these signs. And one of these signs is being able to cast out devils. Did you see that now? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you see that? So, they don't have inherent authority. In Luke 9 and in Luke 10, it wasn't inherent authority. It was delegated authority that they have. Delegated authority is what they've got. And it was by that delegated authority that they were able to do the things that they could do at that time. After which, they couldn't. You see, but the Lord Jesus, like we've just seen in Acts 38, is God inherent authority. And by inherent authority, he was able to cast out devils 24-7. Anytime, any day. Hallelujah. Anytime, any day. He was able to cast out demons. 
Now look at another set of people that God delegated, I mean, that got um, inner authority to. Don't forget, he said that you shall receive power, that is, inner authority, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So what that means is this. When a man receives the indwelling of the Spirit of God, that man automatically gets the inherent authority. He gets the inherent power. When a man receives the indwelling of the Spirit, and how does a man receive the indwelling of the Spirit? By believing the gospel. When a man believes the gospel of Christ, he automatically receives the indwelling of the Spirit. And that's where we started from. Don't forget. In Mark 16, verse 16, he said, And um, um, they that believe and are baptized. And I explained that, that that word baptized there is talking about to receive the indwelling of the Spirit. Because that baptism there is talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. is the same as being baptized into Christ. And it means to receive the indwelling of the Spirit. And the proof and the evidence of one belonging to Christ is the indwelling of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So what the Bible is telling us here is that when a man receives the indwelling of the Spirit, that man receives, is got power, that inherent authority. And the way to receive the indwelling of the Spirit is to believe the gospel of Christ, like I've said earlier. So when a man believes the gospel of Christ, that man receives the indwelling of the Spirit there and then, and automatically he's got power, that inherent power, that inherent authority that we're talking about here. So, Let's look at the disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, looking at Jesus himself, we saw in that Act 10, 38 I just read now, that our God anointed them with the Holy Ghost. So, it was when he also received the indwelling of the Spirit. Hallelujah. It was when he received the indwelling of the Spirit, the Lord Jesus. That was when, that was the time he got power to, to cast out demons and to heal all that were oppressed of the devil. Hallelujah. So, when a man receives the indwelling of the Spirit, that man has got that inherent power we're talking about. Now, the disciples of Jesus Christ didn't receive the indwelling of the Spirit as at the time that he sent them forth as recorded in Luke 9 and Luke 10. You see that now. And so, the, the authority that they operated on, the authority that they operated is delegated authority. You see, but after the day of Pentecost... As prophesied by the Lord Jesus, he said they shall receive power in Acts 1 8 after that the Holy Ghost has come upon them. And we saw that in Acts 2 4 that the Holy Ghost indeed came upon them. That is, they received the indwelling of the Spirit as promised, which is the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. They received the indwelling of the Spirit. So, by the receipt of the indwelling of the Spirit, they received that inherent power and authority. So, it means that in Acts chapter 2, that was on the day of Pentecost. That was the day the likes of Peter, the twelve and the um, the other eleven disciples, and the um, one twenty that witnessed, you know, um, the 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 receipt the receipt of the indwelling of the Spirit as recorded, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. It means that from that particular day, that particular time, that was when they received that inherent power. That Jesus talked about in Acts 1 verse 8. And so they have received the inherent power. They have received that power of God. They have received the indwelling of the Spirit. And so they have received that inherent authority. And then we'll now see later. We now see. So after that, that day of Pentecost, we begin to see them exercise that authority.
we're going to see them exercise that authority. Now look at um, Acts. Um, let's look at Acts chapter three. Let's see the very, you know, the very first time that Peter exercised that authority. Glory to God. Glory to God. And don't forget, we said that the exercise of this authority in casting out demons, particularly, it is as witness, is as witness to the gospel of Christ. That is, it provides a platform, an opportunity for people to hear the not just hear the gospel but to believe the gospel to believe the gospel and that's why i said earlier in um, the previous episodes in one of the previous episodes you know i said that um how that one has to be smart you see when these signs are in manifestation when they are operational we should be smart to preach the gospel because that's what they are for hallelujah they are as witness to the gospel of Christ. so let's look at acts chapter three quickly Act the three, and then you remember that case, the case of that man that was lamed. Look at it. You see, there was a man. Look at verse Acts chapter three, verse one. He said, "Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the night hour, and a certain man lamed from his mother's womb was carried, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple." He said, we've seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an arm. And Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, look on us. And he gave it unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Give I thee. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did you see that? So, you, you remember what I said earlier that when it comes to delegated authority, it is it is possible for the representative to misuse that authority, either to underuse the authority or to overstep his bound. Did you see that? You see, but when it comes to inherent authority, because it's your own authority, self-own authority, you know the extent to which you can use that authority. You do know you are acquainted. You see, to the level or to the um, jurisdiction of that authority. You are acquainted. You are acquainted. And that's the same thing we saw Peter, you know, do here. Hallelujah. Peter says, such as I have. Glory to God. Such as I have. So it's not such as I borrowed or such as I represent or such as I am, I am privileged to. Such as I, <coughs> such as I, I have, have been delegated to. Glory to God. He says, such as I have. Such as I have. Glory. Mm. Mm. So Peter recognized his authority. He is confident of that authority that is God. Hallelujah. He said, such as I have. He said, in the name of Jesus. Rise up. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to round up with that in the name of Jesus. We're going to look at it again. But just hold on. You know, and just hold on to this thought that Peter understood his authority and then he used that authority. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Praise God. And look at the um, verse 7. He said, and he took him up by the right hand. He took the layman up by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, glory to God, his, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Hallelujah. He's immediately immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength and he talking about the layman now and he leaping up stood and walked 
and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. You see, he was leaping not um, not because the leg was still you know, paining. No, no, no. He was out of joy. Glory to God. <laughs> you know, he's the first timer. This is the man that has been laying from the mother's womb. Do you see that? He's been laying. He's been laying from the mother's womb and then got the opportunity to walk. So, it's going to be strange. He has not even leaped before. He has not zipped before. He has never walked before. So he wants to try everything that he has not done before. He wants to do it at a time. Hallelujah. Did you see that? Now? Glory, glory, glory to God. Now, what is my point here? Yeah? The point is how that Peter exercised authority. How that he exercised authority. Let's quickly look at another example. And then I'll talk about the name. That in my name. I'll talk about that. And then I'll close on that. Hallelujah. Look at um, Acts. Look at the book of Acts quickly. Um, this is very this is another another wonderful story. Hallelujah. Glory. Look at it. Look at it here. Look at verse um Acts chapter sixteen. Acts chapter sixteen quickly. Look at Acts chapter sixteen. And then um, we let's let's start reading from verse sixteen. He said, "And it came to pass as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought our masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us unto the way of salvation. And these did she many days. But Paul, being great, turned and said to the Spirit." I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now look at this. Look at this. Look at this. This is very important. Look at this. Look at Paul exercising his authority here. And look at what Paul did. Paul said, I command. Now in this case, it's not the case of um, sickness and diseases. Hallelujah. It's not the case of sickness and diseases. He said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, you spirit, come out of her. So, um, uh, Paul casted out the demon out of that damn cell. Hallelujah. Casted out the demon out of that young lady. Did you see that now? He casted out the demon out of that young lady. And this, this, is, this is profound. This is profound because in this case now, it wasn't um, sickness and disease as it were. It was that somebody that was demon-possessed. And then he casted out the demon out of that person. He said, in the name of Jesus, I command thee. That's authority speaking. Did you see that? You know, I told you that the exercise of authority is in words. So he said, in the name of Jesus, I command thee. I command thee. Hallelujah. I command thee. Glory, 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 glory to God. Did you see that? Now, let's look at very, very, very good example. Um, I want to, let's look at another example to establish the fact that it's authority that is required in casting out demons. Now, join with me quickly to the book of Acts. That same book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 19. Acts 19, quickly. Acts 19, we'll see the case of some persons who try to cast out demons too. Who try to cast out demons. Look at it. I'm sure that you must have heard of the news and familiar with the news of um, Paul, how that Paul cast out demons. Look at it in verse 12, Acts 19, from verse 12. It says, So that from his body were brought, talking about Paul, yeah, were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, 
and the evil spirit went out of them. Wow, wow, wow. Look at this. Evil spirit went out of people that had contact with handkerchief and aprons from the body of Paul. Did you see that now? Just from the body of Paul, evil spirit went out of people that had contact with um, handkerchief and aprons from the body of Paul. That is, Paul was not even there physically. Did you see that now? So, what I'm trying to establish by this is that authority in the spirit realm is what matters. Authority in the spirit realm is what matters. Even though Paul was not there physically, his apron and handkerchief that was taken from him was, you know, evil spirit came out of people that had contact with that apron, with those aprons and handkerchiefs. Hallelujah. People that had contact with the aprons and handkerchiefs from the body of Paul, demons were evicted from those people because they had contact with the aprons and handkerchief taken from the body of Paul. So it, what it means is this. The evil spirit understands and recognizes the fact that, thank you Lord Jesus, the fact that the owner of this or the, the, the person from which this apron and handkerchief were taken from, that person has got authority over us. Hallelujah. Did you see that? And this submitted without his presence physically. And that's the same way authority operates here too. If the president just gives a word and says that um, maybe a particular state should be um, shut down and nobody should move in and out of that state, the president doesn't need to come there physically to, um, to, 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 to enforce what he has said. No. They would obey the president by that statement. Simply as the president has said, you know, they would obey the president. So the president doesn't have to go there. The same with uniform too. If a policeman, you know, just appeared in uniform and then asked you to stop, you will stop. But if he's not on uniform, for example, if he's not on uniform, you wouldn't stop. Except you know the policeman already on that route and then probably um, there is a means of identification or something. You see, but when you see the cloth, the uniform of that policeman, you recognize there's authority that comes with that uniform that makes you to submit. Hallelujah. That's the same way. So the authority that is in, that is with Paul, came with those handkerchiefs and prints that when they had contact with the sick, you know, that were demon possessed, they still left. Demons left. Hallelujah. That's profound. Glory to God. If demons could be evicted by handkerchief and aprons from a body, how much more when you now have contact with them directly? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If they could respect, if they could submit to handkerchief and aprons. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? How much more? How much more? How much more will they submit to your presence physically? Hallelujah. Did you see that now? But that's not where I'm going anyway. Look at verse 13. Now it says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists. Now, who are exorcists? This is very important. See, exorcists are people that they employ formula or conjuration for expelling demons. And you see, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even, um, how will I put it now? They don't, what they do is this. What exorcists do is this. They, I don't see them as demons. They don't cast out demons, really. What they do is to bargain with demons. 
they bargain with demons. In fact, the meaning of their name is that they, 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 they are bound by a oath. He said, a oath to expel. So it means that in the beat to expel a particular demon, they enter into a oath. Did you see that? They enter into a oath, you know, maybe with another demon or a superior demon. Praise God. So you don't cut that. that that's not um, that is not exercise of authority at all. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's like they go into a, 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 a an arrangement, and and a relationship, a partnership, you know, with demons, with the devil, you know, to evict um, devils. <laughs> Did you see that? Devil? That's what they do. So <clears throat> look at this now. So a particular in verse um, verse 13 he said then certain of the vagabond Jews Jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying now saying we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached now look at it these guys they are sons they are seven sons of one called Skipha Hallelujah. A Jew and a chief priest. Hallelujah. Those were, those were the people. And those these seven sons of Skipha, what he did was that, he, look at it, he said, they took it upon himself to call over them that have evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. So, first, they recognized that Paul had been using the name of Jesus. Did you see that? So, they say, okay, it's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. So we'll use the name of Jesus too. Hallelujah. You did get that now. So that was what he did. So they said they call upon the name of Jesus unto that person. They now say that in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached, we are joy. Glory to God. We are joy. Look at verse. All right. And verse 15 now says, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. And Paul I know. But who are you? This is profound. Now this tells us how that demons recognizes authority. So what the demons were saying here is that glory to God, look at it. Look at what the evil spirit said here. What the demon said is Jesus I know, that is I recognize his authority in the spirit realm. Paul, I also recognize his authority. And that's profound that the demon did not put Paul and you know Jesus into one box in that sense. It recognizes their it recognized <coughs> Their authority separately. He recognized Jesus as having authority over him, and then he also recognized Paul as having authority over him. So he says that uh, Jesus, I know Paul, I know. He said, "But who are you?" That is in the spirit realm. You don't have any bearing. We don't know you. You've got no authority over. Him. So who are you to even command me to come out of this body? Who are you? Paul could do that because he's got authority over me. Jesus could do that because he's got authority over me. And don't forget, the authority that Jesus has got over the demons is inherent authority. The authority that Paul has got over the demons who is also inherent authority. It's not delegated. Hallelujah. Did you see that? It's not delegated. It's inherent authority. It's inherent authority. Hallelujah. So as much as the Lord Jesus has got authority the same way, Paul is also got authority over these demons. In fact, it is the same authority that the Lord Jesus has got over demons that Paul also has. 
And that's the same authority that any believer today also has. So what I'm trying to say invariably is that the authority that the Lord Jesus had when he was here physically on earth, that same authority is not higher than the authority that you have over demons today as a believer. You see that because the same reason, the same power that the Lord Jesus has got is the same power that you also have now. That power that is by the Holy Ghost is the same power that you also have by the Holy Ghost. All right, so let me quickly talk about that in the name of Jesus. Now look at it. In the name of Jesus there, looking at um, the very first place where the name of Jesus was used in Luke 10. It says, verse 17, it said, And demons were subject to us in thy name. That is, they use the name of Jesus. So, the, in the name of Jesus, as we have in Luke 9 and Luke 10, as used by disciples then, it's, it's also, it connotes that authority that it got. Hallelujah. You see, but the, in the name of Jesus, as used there, is authority delegated. It's delegated authority. So, when he said, in the name of Jesus, he's using the name as one that is, that, um, that's, is been given that's been delegated authority to use did you see that so they gave them delegated authority was what they operated in on did you see that and then they used that in casting out demons so it means that when they appeared before the demons it was the name of jesus <coughs> it was the authority of jesus that they put forth because they got delegated authority so it was the authority of jesus that they put forth before the demons Hallelujah. It was the authority of Jesus. So it means that what the Jesus, what the demons, I beg your pardon, what the demons saw was that they saw that this one has got the authority of Jesus on them. That was, that was the case in Luke 9 and in Luke 10 as recorded. Hallelujah. You see, but when you come to um, after the day of Pentecost, after that they have received the Holy Ghost, you said that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you. You see, after that time, the authority that they operated that he operated was the authority that is inerrant. It is their own authority. Though you still hear them say in the name of Jesus. You see, but in the name of Jesus, it's different from in the name of Jesus as used and recorded in Luke 9 and Luke 10. The name of Jesus as used in the book of Acts is the name of Jesus, not just um, um, not, not putting forth the authority of Jesus. Did you see that? But it is a put, they put what they did before the demon used to put forth their own authority. You know why? Because the name of Jesus after resurrection had become their own name too. Did you see that? The name of Jesus had become their own name too. Oh, thank you Lord Jesus. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. Let's say there is a name, a particular name. Let's say Mr. Um, Mr. Walter. So, Mr. Walter, that name, you know, it's got so much authority. Authority is in that name, Walter, that if you go to any place in the country, you can, with that name, buy things for free. Did you see that now? So, somebody comes in the name of Mr. Walter, that is, Mr. Walter has delegated authority to that, and maybe the person is a staff of Mr. Walter. And so, has been a staff or um, a worker, an employee of Mr. Water, and then comes in the name of Mr. Water, and comes in the name of Mr. Water, that we need to get this for the office. I'm coming from the office of Mr. Water, and, then, and Mr. Water has sent me. So, the person gets the thing for free, because he has come in the name of Mr. Water. 
You see, but it's a different thing entirely when the son of Mr. Water goes to the same place to get that same kind of thing. You do see the difference now. Now, they both got authority, you see, but the authority that the worker or the employee of Mr. Water has and that he used is delegated authority. You see, but that of the son of Mr. Water is not delegated authority. is inherent authority. You know why? Because that authority is in that name. And now the son bears that name. Hallelujah. So because the son bears that name, the same authority that Mr. Water physically would, um, um, would, um, would command is the same that his son would also command physically. Hallelujah. It's the same. It's the same authority. And that's the difference between the name of Jesus as used in the gospel accounts and the name of Jesus as used in, in hearts. Hallelujah. That's the difference. The one used as recorded in the gospel account, that is in Luke, Mark, and all of those ways, is delegated authority. I'm not talking about that the name of Jesus used. It's delegated authority. You see, but in the book of Acts, the name of Jesus used there is used as one with inherent authority. Because at that time, it is you are using the name of Jesus not as one that has got delegated authority, but you are using the name of Jesus as one that has got inner authority. And you are using that name as your own name. Did you see that? In the gospel, what they did was to borrow the name or was to use the name. Did you see that? So they, 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 they answer on behalf of Jesus. Glory to God. That's what they did in the gospels. You see, but in the book of Acts, they didn't answer on behalf of Jesus. They answered for themselves. Because that name has become theirs. Glory to God. When they believe the gospel of Christ, they have become member of the family of God. And that name of Jesus is, has become their name. It's now the family name. So, as used in the book of Acts, and that is expected of us as believers today to use, is to use that name as our family name. Glory to God. Not as the name that we borrow for a time. It is our family name and you won't change it. It's your family name forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's our family name forever. It's our family name forever, for a lifetime, forever. Hallelujah. So it means that we cannot lose that authority. That authority that we've got over demons is inherent authority. Hallelujah. It's inherent authority. So on the basis of that inherent authority, we can command demons. And... Um, the demons that would um, default to our command, <laughs> the demons that would disobey our command has not been created. It does not exist. Hallelujah. It does not exist. Glory to God. It does not exist because it is as much right as the Lord Jesus has got over demons that we have too. Because the Bible makes us understand that we have become heirs of God and joint heirs together with Christ. So as being heirs of God and joint heirs together with Christ, we've got right to the same thing that Jesus has got right to. As authority of Jesus over demons is the same authority that we also have over demons. That is the authority that you have today. It's the inherent authority. And there is no demon yet. There is no demon yet that can disobey your command. Hallelujah. There's no demon yet that can disobey your command. Did you see that now? And so, 
That is what it is about casting out demons, basically. Hallelujah. That's what it is about casting out demons. And under these signs that we're considering, don't forget that all of these, I'm talking about casting out demons and every other one that we're going to look at in the previous, in the subsequent episodes, we will see, let's not forget that the purpose, the primary purpose of these signs, of manifesting these signs, that is casting out demons, the primary purpose is as witness to the gospel of Christ. Is as witness to the gospel of Christ. And don't forget that the administration, that is the decision of when to cast out demons, in the case of casting out demons now, that decision is primarily with the Lord because the operational function, the primary operational function is as witness. Glory to God. So when the Lord Jesus, when you cast out demons and then it's popular, I mean, it's a public knowledge, it is as a sign. Glory to God. It is as a sign, and that sign is to, is to, is to, thank the Lord, that sign is to make the gospel acceptable to people. So that people can believe the gospel. That's what it is for. Hallelujah. Did you see that now? So we pick up on the next of, the next one on the list of these signs. It says, in my name, they will cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. We'll look at that. In the next episode. I want to believe you have been blessed. Thank you for your time. And God bless you. The message you just listened to is from the teaching ministry of Pastor Yox. For inquiries, please call plus 2348038606999 or send an email to pastoryox at gmail.com. Thank you.